my good friend, uh, Pastor Bill James, and missionary to uh, Uganda is here with us, and Bill's been with us a few times. Uh, we've known each other, I don't know, eight, ten years, something like that. We, we, neither one of us can forget. We think we have COVID brain and a bunch of other stuff, so, uh, plus we're in our 50s now, so. And it, but anyway, nevertheless, um, he's here, and you know, Bill has an amazing testimony, and some of you have heard some of that. I don't know uh, he's covering any of that today, but uh, he, I, I, I made one mistake in the first service, Bill. The other Marines reminded me of this. I said, I made the mistake of saying he is a former Marine. The other Marines in the 830s said, no, no, there's no such thing as a former Marine. He is a U.S. Marine. So, um, he, uh, so he spent his time in the Marine Corps, but he remains a Marine. As a matter of fact, he's telling me all this week, because he kept eating fast, he goes, it's the Marine in me. It's the Marine in me. So, uh, so he's a U.S. Marine. Then, yeah, then law enforcement uh, in Southern California, uh, Riverside, and uh, all kinds of uh, things in the, the valley there. Uh, then he became a drug enforcement agent fighting against the cartels and all meth labs and all that other stuff. And so, and then out of all that, God called him to saving faith in Jesus and took him out of Southern California and Portland, Oregon, where he also was in law enforcement to Uganda. So without any further ado, Bill, why don't you come up and share? Well, it is great to be back here. Uh, I don't remember how long it's been. I was, well, I don't remember much anymore. I found out that I need to do this. <sighs> the COVID rub to re make my brain work again. I don't know if it works, but it seems to be working, actually. So, well, my name is Bill James. I don't really like titles, honestly, but I guess I am the pastor and founder and executive director of Uganda Kids Project in Uganda. Um... I was thinking about when Tim was sharing about my life and the different things I did before I gave my life to Jesus. None of that was anything compared to walking with Jesus Christ. Amen. Nothing. Yeah. Not even close. My life was empty because I didn't have Jesus. Though movies could be made of my life, it meant nothing without Jesus. Nothing. Actually, when I gave my life to Jesus on April 20th, 2004, I became a new creation. That's when my life actually began, so I'm really only, I'm not in my 50s, I'm only like 18. 18 in Christ, amen. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and all things are new. And you know what I discovered that day? I discovered that to be true on April 20th, 2004. That day I was living a secret life, addicted to drugs, and also working for the DEA. My life was a complete disaster. I was a phony. I was fake. I, if you look in the dictionary under double life, you'll see my picture. I mean, I'm not proud of it at all, but you know what? That's what God used to get me to the end of myself. Amen. And that day, I walked into my pastor's office dead in my sins. I gave my life to Jesus, and I walked out of there alive in Christ. Amen. And my life began. The second day, too, I went and quit my job. I turned in my badge. I turned in my gun, all my undercover tools and my undercover police car and everything I gave back, and I picked up this, my new weapon, amen? A much more powerful weapon than a gun. I promise you, this, you might be able to kill somebody with a gun, but it's only temporary because you can't kill a believer in Christ because though this body may die, we have a home eternal in heaven, amen, where we will live it forever with Jesus. And that's where, you know, the ministry began. Actually, to be honest, I was thinking about your children's ministry. You know where my ministry really began? After I gave my life to Jesus and I finished the first year of the discipleship program, I started teaching in Sunday school to the kids. God showed me I had a love for kids which ultimately led me to Uganda. So if you're not sure where God has you or what God wants you to do, start with kids. Teach the kids. That's the next generation. And what God has taught you, he wants you to share with the kids that they too would know Jesus. And uh, really our ministry began there. Um, I joined a men's discipleship program, spent two years studying the Bible, and God gave me this vision for to be a missionary to America. And I didn't really know what that meant, but as I waited for God, a lot of people don't realize that was like four years before I ever started Agents for Christ. 
doing what God put in front of me every day. Where there was an opening, I did, the, I did the projector, I did the sound, I taught children's ministry, I did everything. It was God just trying to know Jesus and serve Jesus because Jesus saved me. Amen. Do you realize that without Jesus, we're dead? Without Jesus, we have no hope. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we have life and hope and filled with the love of God. And all the promises of the Bible are true. Yes and amen now for the believer who trusts Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And the world has nothing... Nothing. It didn't matter how much money I had, I was empty. It didn't matter anything I had. My job, no matter the biggest drug case, I was always pushing for the next big drug case. Thought if I, had to, if I busted somebody with 100 kilos of cocaine that I'd be happy. But I busted people with 100 kilos of cocaine and I wasn't happy. Uh-huh. I was not happy because I didn't have Jesus. And we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare today, but if you don't have Jesus as Lord of your life, nothing will be happy. Nothing will make you happy. But if Jesus is Lord of your life, then whatever you have, good, little, or much, you'll be content. Because Jesus is what we need. Anyway, we sold everything and ate crazy people for Jesus. We bought two RVs, me, my wife, and our two kids, Dave and Deanna Chafee, and their two kids. Uh, I was an agent for the United States government, and we started Agents for Christ. And uh, we traveled for three years just going. Simple ministry. We just went from church to church, city to city, sharing the gospel and encouraging other people to do the same. And from that simple beginning, still one ministry, Agents for Christ, God has developed into two, thing, two ministries. One in New Mexico called the 10th Hour Project and one in Uganda, Uganda Kids Project. We're still one ministry. We work together still. 10th Hour Project is like a nine-month discipleship program for young men and women in New Mexico. You spend three months in biblical discipleship at our campus there. Then you go out in the streets of America doing outreach and evangelism and teaching. Kids teach evangelism. And then they come to Uganda for three months to to work at Uganda Kids Project. Then after the three months in Uganda, they go back for two weeks for a re-entry phase. And then six months doing an internship at their home church. So basically, it's 15 months, but I promise you, we are at class number seven. Not one of our children, that kids, students that have come through, have regretted any of it, because what they realized is that we were made to know Jesus, Amen. and that's what the program's all about. It's about knowing Jesus. But you, God, God sent us to Uganda, and I first worked at a Compassion International Orphanage, but then God opened the doors for us to start our own NGO called Uganda Kids Project and led us to a little hill in southwest Uganda called Ashunga. There was nothing there. We actually went there for the first three months in tents. You go to Walmart. They're still $99. I laughed. It's still the same price. There's no been inflation on you. Walmart tents? What's up? Tim's not even laughing. You don't like Walmart tents? <laughs> but you there go there. You see them. It's still there. Pop up like one second. I lived in a Walmart tent for three months with me and my wife. My ministry friend, Dave, uh, Don Chafee, Dave's dad, and my son Nick. And we watched those three months God do amazing things. I think I was telling somebody the story. I remember one night we woke up and I'm like, waking my wife up, like, what is outside the tent? And we found out it was a badger, a honey badger. They're fierce beasts, but God protected us. And those first three months were some of the best days of my life because we were serving Jesus and watching God do amazing miracles. And from those first three months, God built the first building, the Shunga Mission Outreach Center. God led us to start a primary school. We started in one classroom of that first building. We started with 17 kids and our primary school has been completed and grown to now we have almost 500 kids in our, pro, in our school. And God, God be the glory. I want to be, make sure we make this clear. I don't say anything further that reminds you of this. If there's anything good in me, it's because of Jesus. If anything's happened in Ashunga or in New Mexico, it's because of Jesus. The only thing I did was say, here I am, Lord, send me. I made myself available. And that's what God wants to do in your life. He just wants you to say, I'm, I want to serve you, Lord. I want to follow you. I give you my life and watch him do amazing things. Philippians 3.20 says, God wants to do exceedingly, abundantly, above what you can ask, think, or even imagine through the spirit that lives in each of us as we trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I didn't really want to go to Uganda. But I realized that the best place and the safest place you can be is in the center of God's will. Trust Jesus. Follow whatever. Seek him with all your heart. The word Bible promises you will find him. And whatever he tells you, and he will speak to you, do what he says. Because his will is perfect. He doesn't make mistakes. He cannot lie. God is trustworthy. And he's good. 
And I want to tell you, he loves you. And he proved he loved you by sending his only begotten son. When God opened my eyes to the reality that God loved me, he knew everything about me, that he knew my sins, he knew all of my thoughts, but he still loved me, I like change forever. I heard the verse, I'd heard it thousands of times. I was raised in a Christian home. But it was like God spoke to me that day. For God so loved Bill, that he gave his only son for Bill. If Bill would trust in Jesus, believe in Jesus, Bill would not perish, but have everlasting life. And a man, it changed my life forever. But uh, I've watched God do amazing things in Uganda. Watch him build a medical center. We give free medical care. We built the, right now, we're building a high school. We started our first classroom in our high school, 27 students, and we're trusting God to provide the money to build the high school. It's a big project. We need $150,000 to finish the high school, but I know God's going to provide it because he who began a good work is faithful to bring it to completion. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. And, uh, oh, man, there's so many things that God has done. It just blows me away. I can't believe I, you realize we get to serve Jesus. Amen. And wherever you are, God has you there, and he wants to use you where you are, whether it be Uganda, Richmond, Virginia, uh, the Philippines, wherever God sends you, he sent you there for a purpose to use you. Anyway, I have a little video. It's two minutes. Two-minute video just kind of giving you an overview of all that God's done in New Mexico and Uganda. a small glimpse of the amazing God that we serve and what he's done in Uganda and New Mexico. Those last two pictures were our campus in New Mexico, the mountains in the background, and uh, a great place for kids to have a gap year to get away and find Jesus with all their heart, and then our campus in Uganda. And it really is true, God has blessed our ministry beyond, but COVID has taken a hit, and uh, running uh, the school with 500 kids cost a much, the program in New Mexico, all of that's much. But God is faithful, but maybe he wants to use you to partner with us. Um, I don't know. Pray. Pray for us. Pray for how God may have you get involved. Maybe this church would send a mission team. I've been trying for a long time. to get. I think we even had one planned. We were talking about planning, and then COVID hit, so it shut everything down. So maybe next year you guys will come. I don't know. God knows, and God's faithful. Faithful to provide your life, our ministry, your ministry, wherever God has you. And uh, I just encourage you to pray for us. We have a table out there with prayer. Oh, wait, I have an example here. We have these prayer cards. Kind of got bent. Sorry. Sorry, Danielle. Little prayer cards. Um, we also have um, some brochures, one for Ages for Christ about the ministry, one for the 10th Hour Project, and uh, there's crafts in there from, back there from Uganda. Um, I got too many things here. 
All of the stuff is free. If you want to make a donation, please do. And we're, we have a thing that we're going to be talking about at the end of the service called the power of 10. We'll show a video about that at the end. But right now I want to encourage you in the word. Hopefully you have your Bibles. Turn your Bibles to James chapter 4, verses 7 to 10. We're going to be talking about, as the slide says, the title of the message is Winning the War. My hope is to encourage you. The victory you have in Jesus Christ, that walk in victory, challenge you to not be uh, deceived by the world, the flesh, and the devil, and also to remind you of God's love today. But let me read the verses, and then we will pray. James chapter 4, beginning in verse 7 to verse 10. James 4, 7 to 10. It says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify you hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Let's pray. In the local language, let's pray. is katu shabe, katu shabe. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Thank you that we can gather here freely. That we are free in, your, in you, Jesus, who the sun sets free is free indeed. Thank you for setting me free, setting my brothers and sisters free. And I pray if there's anyone here who doesn't know you or is living a secret life like I was or somehow being pulled into the world or some trap or bondage, Lord, that today would be the day of freedom. Lord, your word is living and active and powerful. Speak to each of us today through your word that we would be touched by your power, filled by your spirit to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Like I said, we're going to be talking about spiritual battles, and we all face them. We're all in the middle of them. Actually, we have a battle going inside of each of us, the battle between our flesh and our spirit. The flesh, the sinful part of us that we're stuck with, I wish I could get rid of it one day, it'll be gone when we see Jesus. And then the spirit came alive when you trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. New birth, right? New life, being born again. But we're going to be talking about this battle. A battle in the dictionary means a fight or an encounter between enemies or opposing armies. So if we keep this simple, we're going to be talking about a battle, a fight. And, you know, that's all a battle is, really, is a fight. And a spiritual battle is a spiritual fight. And Paul teaches us in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, who our enemies are. And it's not each other. It's not other non-believers. It's not your neighbors. It's, Paul says in Ephesians 6, 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Our enemy is that, those powers, the evil powers, the darkness in the spiritual realm. And it's a spiritual fight that we're all in the middle of. In order to have victory, we must be honest that it is real and that we are the target or we're the, 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 the victory of this whole battle. It's for you, this, your souls, the souls of your children, your kids, your family, your neighbors. Again, at the same time, we don't want to give the devil not one drop of credit. Jesus already made a public spectacle of the devil. Jesus already defeated the devil on the cross. We already win. I, you know, you can read the end of the Bible, right? The end of the story, we win. Jesus wins. And if you're with Jesus, you win. Amen? Amen. But I always, I, we started watching, everybody in Uganda loves soccer, football. And so we found out that all the people were going to, the fathers were spending their money. They should be buying food for the kids, buying alcohol. So we started doing an outreach in our chapel, playing the football matches. The two biggest teams, Manchester United and Arsenal. Pretty much everybody likes those two teams. And when those two teams play, our chapel is packed. It's so full. I mean, I don't know what the size of this is, but our chapel is like 25 by 60. And there's packed like sardines and they're watching this match. But I always use this example to the kids because when they come to the match, they're maybe rooting for Arsenal, but they don't know who's going to win. They don't know until the match is over who the winner is. I use that example for us today because we know who wins before the match is over. Amen? We know who wins. Jesus wins. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you win. You know, the spiritual battle is really everywhere. In Uganda, we see witch doctors and people worshiping a tree and demonic possession, oppression. It's real. We see it all the time. Spiritual battle in America, it's real, still going on. It just looks different. In Uganda, they might be worshiping a tree or offering sacrifices to an, an idol, a tree. In Uganda, in America, what's, what are we worshiping? People, teams, money, 
right? Self, somebody I heard said self, right? Worshipping of self, billion dollar industry. You walk through the mall, there, everything is about self. Self, self, self. Feel good, you know, look good, sound good, do good. This is all about self. You can walk through the mall and not see one single thing about God. Everything is about self. And you know what? The root self is the root word to what? Selfish. And I'm talking about myself because I can be really selfish. We all can. That's part of the challenge here. We need to make sure we're honest. It's really important that we're honest with ourselves and with God because God already knows everything about us. Why are, we, why are we kicking against the goads or trying to hide from God? He already knows. But here in the book of James, as we, he's the half-brother of Jesus as he writes this very practical book and advice of how to live for a Christian life. In the first three chapters, he looks at many things. Uh, being double-minded, being a hearer of the word, not a doer of the word, showing personal favoritism for, to the rich, speaking empty words, not true faith, evil tongues, you know, good and bad out of the same mouth, and many other things. As we come to chapter 4, James addresses this war going on inside of all of us, this battle between your flesh and your spirit, good and evil, the devil and Satan, I mean Jesus and the devil, and God's kingdom and the world system. And today we're going to look at these three things about in these verses... Our study is going to look at three things. First, our problem, or our problems, because there are many. Our ba- the battle and the victory is the third thing. First is our problem. Verse 7, it starts out with an b- important word. It says, therefore, submit to God. That word, therefore, means something very important. Hopefully you know this already, but whenever you see the word, therefore, or verily, verily, you need to look back and see why is the therefore, therefore. Or in other words, he wrote, therefore, means that everything I've just said, you need to go back, you should do this. Everything he just said, you should go, you, this is what you should do, right? So we need to go back four verses to see the problem. We're back to the beginning of James, chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 1. Actually, the whole book, but we don't have time to go through the whole book. So, But the problems are many. He's challenging us with this practical Christian life. But James 4, 1 through 4, gives us the problems we're going to look at this morning. Says, where do wars and where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore desire wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And one of the things I was reminded of, this is God's word. Amen? It's not my word. I'm not telling you things that I wrote trying to like make you feel bad. This is God's word that he's trying to teach us something that we need to be honest about so that we can surrender to Jesus Christ and the power of the risen Christ can change us from the inside out. Amen? But he's clearly saying, showing us a problem. And really the core of the root of our problem is we're all a bunch of sinners. We're all sinners, and sin is everywhere. Again, honesty is important. I'm not talking about you being honest with your husband and spouse. I'm not talking about your kids confessing to your parents. I'm talking about you being honest with God. I think I already said this, but I'll say it again because it's true. Two people know the truth about me right now, God and me. And we need to stop playing games with God and be honest with God and stop playing games with ourselves. You know, I encourage you to find somebody in your life that you can trust, a more mature believer that you can go to and they can pray with you and you can share with them and they can encourage you and help you as you walk with Jesus. Everybody, I need it, Tim needs it, all of us need somebody that you trust that you can talk to, somebody more mature that you can go to that can help you and encourage you. But what I'm talking about right now is being honest with yourself and being honest with God about these battles and these struggles, the things that we fight with. Struggles that we all have. And he's laying out the trouble or the problems. In verse 1, he says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure that war in your members? Truth is, our flesh loves to feel good. He calls it desires for pleasure. It's everywhere. Walk down through the mall. Look at a, I was looking at the magazine on the plane. It's like everything is about self. Everything's about self. And uh, you know, it's almost like it's calling to you. But I want to remind you, Jesus is also calling to you. 
I can remember when I was sitting at my church and living a secret life, and it was like Jesus was speaking directly to me. As my pastor read Matthew eleven twenty eight, saying, Come to me, all you labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I did not have rest. I knew about laboring, trying to do it on my own. I knew about carrying the heavy load of sin, but I didn't have rest. And Jesus was calling for me to come have rest. Again, the world's calling. Jesus is calling. We need, we need to answer Christ and reject the world. James continues to addressing the problems we all have. He continues to challenge us in verse 2 and 3. You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war and you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. And James is talking about the sin of prayerlessness or praying with the wrong motives, but he's also talking about coveting, which is a terrible sin. Why? Because it's a sin in our hearts. And it's very easy to hide what's in your heart. Very easy to hide what's in your heart. You know, coveting is a big problem, a heart issue. Talking about the Jews, Paul challenging the Jews about they're looking good on the outside, but on the in- inwardly they were be- dead bones. The truth is we all struggle with the sins that are in our heart, but we need to be very careful. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. What you see, what you hear, what you meditate on and think about will ultimately become what you do. And we need to meditate on the Word of God. We need to pray and speak to God. We need to listen to God. We need to follow the Word that God would would follow Jesus and not sin. Continues in verse 4 about our problem. He says, in verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world makes you an enmity or is enmity with God? Whoever therefore desires to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And he's calling us adulterers or adulteresses, which is not really a good name, but why? Honestly, I believe because we're cheating on God with the world. Cheating on God with the world. And it's something we all struggle with. Jesus was very clear in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. And here, James is saying the same thing. To be a friend of the world makes you an enemy of God. And that's some really serious talk. But I use my own life as an example because for a long time I had a drinking problem. I drank alcohol almost every day. But I didn't just have one drink. I had many drinks. But I would lie. I would lie to myself. I was lying to people as I was telling them, oh, I can, I can handle my drinking. I can just have one drink. All kind of lies. And I never was able to... I hated, my, I hated it. Because alcohol took control of my life. And it wasn't until I was honest with God and with myself and really came to Christ and acknowledged that I had a drinking problem, that I couldn't fix my problem, and surrendered my life, asked God to forgive me and to heal me, to cleanse me from this sin when he set me free. It's really important that we're honest about our, our battles, that these problems that we struggle with. But the battle is real. That leads us to the second point, the battle. Verse 7, James talks about the two different sides. He said, therefore, submit to God and resist the devil. These two opposing forces. You know, I've been out witnessing a lot. In Uganda, we go out every week. In America, we share the gospel often. And, uh, you know, you hear all kinds of things that people say what they believe and they say, I don't believe in God, I don't believe in the devil, I don't believe in hell, I don't believe in eternal life. But you know what I say? It doesn't matter what you believe, what matters is what's true. Amen? What matters is what's true. Amen. You can climb up on this roof and say, I don't believe in gravity, and jump off and you'll quickly understand what you believe is wrong and what true is what matters. That gravity is a, <laughs> a thing that God created, right? But the Bible is very clear about what's true. It says the Bible is the word of truth. It says that God, the Father of truth, that Jesus is the way and the truth, that we have the spirit of truth that will guide us into all truth. And we need to be very careful that we follow the truth. Amen? Amen. We believe the truth because what we believe is really important. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believing is important, but you need to make sure what you're believing is actually true. Amen? Because you can believe a lie. The devil's all about getting you to believe lies and he, do, he works through lies. But here is James is telling us these two opposing forces. I wanted to take a minute and look at these two sides. First, who is God? God, we can talk about God for a long, long time, amen? This whole book is all about the majesty of God. And we could go on and on and on about God. 
But I was thinking about this. God is the creator. He's the sustainer, the life giver. He's loving. He's forgiving. He's the king of kings, Lord of lords. In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God he created everything we see. And if you can believe that, you can believe the entire Bible because it's true. In the beginning, God created all things, including us. Paul talking about Jesus, who is God, in Colossians chapter 1, 16 and 17, says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and, in, and that are on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Talking about Jesus, who is God. The word was there at the beginning. It says he created all things. All things were created that are in heaven and earth through him or by him. He is before all things and in him all things consist. He holds our lives together. I love that Isaiah described God. I can just picture Isaiah like trying to convince people or like telling them the truth that they already know. In Isaiah 40, 28, have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? He either faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Thinking about Isaiah, and just, I think about that. Isn't that what we should be crying? Have you not seen God? The evidence of God is everywhere. Everywhere you look, have you not heard God screaming that he loves you? We need to be out telling people. I said this in the first service. I want to remind you that God calls us all to be his witnesses. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus gave this promise before he ascended into heaven he said you shall receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses in jerusalem judea samaria and to the ends of the earth where we are now the ends of the earth right compared to jerusalem and jesus gave us all the job he gave we have that's simple to be a witness but the devil's lying to you and making you think that being a witness is difficult being a witness is just telling other people what jesus has done for you I used to stand up in the court and they'd swear me and I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God. And then I'd sit down and they'd ask me all kinds of questions about the case. And I would tell them what I seen, what I heard, what I experienced in that case that I was standing there before the court testifying about, being a witness for, right? Aren't we all? That's all God calls us to do. But you're not in the court of law. You're in the court going out there. You're out there in the courts of the world, right? Talking, telling others. What Jesus has done for you. And you all, like we could go up here, start with a person. Everybody come up here and tell us three things God has done. And you could easily, being a witness for Christ, is just telling somebody out there the good things that God has done. But I want you to know that it, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be my witness. That means what God has given you is spirit to do the job he's given you to do. He's called us all to be a witness, but he's given us the spirit to give us the power to do the job. You understand that? God has empowered you. We need to walk in that power and trust that Jesus will show up and he will use you and give you divine appointments. Or we can say, ah, I'm not going to talk to no one. I refuse to follow Jesus. We start down that path. It's a terrible road. But continuing about who God is, God is holy. The Apostle John in 1 John chapter 1 said, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Talking about God's holiness. He's perfect. He cannot lie. He's perfect. His will is perfect. And you can trust him. He's perfect. In 1 John chapter 4, twice, two times, three powerful words. God is love. It's his very nature as God is love. And he, oh man, do you know how much he loves you? you know how much God loves you? I, man, where I live, we live right on the equator. And I encourage you to come visit me because I live in Hawaii without the ocean. So you think you're going to go to a, some terrible place? Where I live is the most beautiful place I've ever been. Other than, the, you know, we don't have the ocean. So have you ever, ever been to Hawaii? Just imagine Hawaii without the ocean. And that's where I live. We grow our own coffee. We have pineapples. We have amazing, live in an amazing place. I actually feel guilty sometimes. But we live right, we cross the equator going to our project and so we live really close to the equator so that means i'm like an inch closer to the sun or something i don't know but living on the equator at night when it's a clear night and it's like the stars are like as close as the ceiling and i think about man in the heavens declare the glory of god yes, yes. you think about his beauty and his majesty and how big he is 
and that he spoke and the worlds were formed. But then as I'm standing there, an ant crawls across my foot. I think God created that little ant. It reminds me that God created me and he loves me. He didn't just say he loved me. He didn't just say God is love. God proved his love. Understand that God sent his son for you. And Paul talks about no one would give their, up, give their life for even a good man, let alone a bad man. And it says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were sinners, God still loved you. Man, love of God changed me. I pray that you'd allow the love of God to enter your heart. It would change you. And he'd fill you with his love. And you'd go out and tell others about that great love because that's what's going to change the world. I was actually watching a, a movie called Wood, Woodlawn. It's a football movie. It's a Christian football movie. I love that movie. I'd have never seen it before. But in the beginning, they get quoted Martin Luther King Jr. And I don't know much about Martin Luther King Jr., but what he said is true. It was a quote from him. It says, Darkness can never drive out darkness. Only light can. Hate can never drive out hate. Only love can. Amen. We want to change the world. We need to be filled with Jesus Christ every day. The God who is love will fill you with his love. And then you go out into the world and share his love. Amen. Amen. Going on. I'm running. I'm, I think I still have enough time yet. Yeah, we're going. Going forward. <laughs> Talking about the enemy, the devil, right? First, he's a liar. John 8, 44 talks about him, him being, he is a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. If you're following Jesus, you're following the truth. So that means the devil hates you. He hates the truth. The Spirit of God lives in us. He hates the fact that the Spirit lives in you. But the spirit that lives in you is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. And the devil's a liar. For a born-again believer, he does two, has only two things he can do to you. He can lie to you, and he can make you afraid. He cannot touch you, because Jesus is greater. Amen. I talked about this before. This is God's 4x4. Four four. You know, you have 4x4 four four posts. You go to Home Depot, get a big stick. God's 4x4 four four is 1 John 4.4. 4. He who lives in me is greater than he who lives in the world. And we need to carry around the 4x4, four four, the truth. This is the 4x4, four four, right? The word of God. The power of God. Continuing about the devil, he's defeated. In Colossians 2.15, it says, Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. Talking about Jesus defeated the devil on the cross. Actually, he made him look like a fool. The devil thought he won, and Jesus rose from the grave victorious. And he did it for you. He rose from the grave for us so that we could have new life. Proving that he was God. Proving that what he said was true. Proving. Gave his spirit as a guarantee. Proving that he's coming back again. The devil's defeated. Chuck Smith always called it usurped authority. Usurped authority means it's, his power is taken away from him. Jesus took away the power of the devil. The enemy is still fighting. He has a plan for anybody's life who will listen to him. John 10.10 tells us the two plans, devil's plan and God's plan. Devil's plan is to steal, kill, and destroy. God's plan is that you have life, an abundant life today, and eternal life forever in the presence of God. And we're going to watch this little tree video. When we were in Uganda, we were there for several years before I even knew that this tree existed. I found out there was a tree there that they were offering sacrifices to, and this tree stood over this valley, this beautiful giant tree, as a symbol of Satan and all his lies and fear that he brought to these people. But Jesus sent us there, and I never, really never expected this problem, but God told me to cut down this tree. Kind of remind me of the high places, right? Josiah, Jehoshaphat, um, uh, Gideon. Many other people cut down the altars, cut down the high places, right? So the Lord of Lords and King of Kings could have his rightful place. So we're going to watch this video. Um, keep my mic on because I can kind of narrate. We're here, we're here at the tree in Ashunga, Uganda. This is where the people for hundreds of years have offered sacrifices to this tree, to the gods or whoever they were offering sacrifices to. And now we are here trying to bring an end to the, to the lies of um, idol worship and bring the truth of Jesus Christ. There's only one God, Jesus, and Yesu Ahulili, Jesus is alive. They said you would take any of the branches, they would be cursed, so we took one and cooked bananas over it. They said it would bleed. 
So I'm trying to show, see if it bled. No blood. There's all sorts of lies and fear about this tree. I believe it was protected by snakes, so I was looking for the snakes. Another lie. That's no snakes in Runyon Coley. Tree was a monster. Giant tree. Sadly, it was a beautiful tree, but it was the devil tree. We brought, the people were so afraid of it, we had to get chainsaws from five hours away to come to cut the tree down because the people were afraid that locally. Five, four chainsaws, five hours, but more than five hours, almost six hours to, cut, to make the tree fall. Praying for protection because if somebody would have got injured, they would have said the tree was responsible. Nobody got hurt. God protected us. Stop, we can stop the video. You know, that tree was just a symbol of the devil in that valley. You can stop it. Everybody's happy. The tree is gone. It's kind of like the... You guys ever watch... Uh, was that Yellow Brick Road movie? The Wizard of Oz when the witch dies. <laughs> Everybody's cheering. The wicked witch is dead. Or however. <laughs> That's what all the kids were happy. Because, well, you know what happened? Showed that the, it was a lie. The devil was a lie. That tree had no power. Again, 1 John 4, 4, the spirit that lives in us is greater than the spirit that lives in the world. And they tried to tell me, all the leaders came and said, you're going to bring a curse. And then the tree, we cut down the tree and nothing happened. They go, well, maybe the small god, Bill's small gods, or they call me Daddy Billu, because they can't say Bill. For some reason, I don't know. They, Billu, they can say. Bill, they can't do L's and R's. They said, Daddy Billu's small gods must be stronger than our small gods. I'm like, small gods? There's no such thing as a small god. There's Jesus Christ, and he is the only one true God, and he is greater. And uh, I tell you, when we cut down this tree, there was two families that were heavily involved in worshiping at this tree. And uh, one of them, his name was Richard, was the father. He was on his deathbed. He was dying. They didn't know what was wrong with him. They were preparing to bury him. He was that sick. And we cut that tree down the very next day. Richard was completely healed. Wow. I went and read, led Richard to Christ. Richard now follows Jesus. And the other family next to the tree on the hill where we were kind of watching the tree fall is another house with four grown boys. Those four grown boys came and saw me. And they said, Daddy Bilu, thank you. We believed that tree and it was a lie for all these years. And now we know that Jesus is the truth. Okay. Amen. You know, there's idols everywhere. That tree was an idol in Uganda, but people are serving idols everywhere in this country and everywhere in the world. And we need to encourage people to cut down the trees in their hearts, cut down their idols, and let Jesus be the Lord of Lord of their life, Lord of Lords, King of Kings in their heart. Leads us to our next, our last thing. Thirdly, the, the way to victory. And here in James chapter 4, 7 to 10, he lays out six things that we can do to have victory today. And I'm not talking about some six-step program. I'm just talking about these things that we can do daily to walk with Jesus. The first thing he says, submit to God. That word submit is a, like a military word, meaning uh, like a private submitting to a commanding officer, meaning give 100% to God. Submit daily. All Surrender all. 100% to God. And the second thing is resist the devil. Give nothing to the enemy. Resist the devil. It means to stand against. That word means, resist means to stand against. 
You know, in Ephesians 6, we definitely don't have time to go there, but if you go to Ephesians 6, you'll see three times it says, Stand, stand, and stand therefore, and putting on the armor of God that you may stand. He gives, God has given us weapons that you can put on, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the gospel of peace, and this, the offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit. Amen? For you guys that go to this church, whenever you're in the bathroom, you just study them on the wall right there. It's right there by the toilet. Amen? <laughs> I don't know what's in the girls' bathroom, but I saw it as the urinals. There's the weapons of your warfare right there to remind you that you're victorious in Christ and the weapons that God has given you to walk in victory. Amen? Amen. Amen. The third thing. Well, the second thing, resist the devil, right? And it promises, also comes with a promise. Resist the devil and he will run away. Amen? He's already defeated. The third thing, it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. This is an invitation and a promise. The invitation is God is calling us all to draw near to Him, to take a step or to draw near to Him in close, intimate relationship with the living God. And then the promise that as we draw near, God promises to meet us. Amazing truth that as we step towards God, God will meet you. He desires to have a close relationship with you. The fourth thing, it says, cleanse your hands and you sinners and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Talking about the sin, we need to be honest and we need to pray that God, for the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. It's not taking about, talking about taking a bath, it's talking about cleansing our hands, it's talking about the outward, the outward sins, purifying our hearts, it's talking about our inward sins. It's about praying, admitting your sins, being honest, repenting, turning from your sins, surrendering your life, surrendering your sins to God by faith, completely by faith, trusting the blood of Jesus to completely cleanse you inside and out. Leads us to the fifth thing. It says, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. As you draw near to God, step near to God and he draws near to you, what are we going to do? You're going to be convicted of your sins and ultimately your sin will lead you to brokenness. Brokenness. In the sight of a holy God, your sins are going to lead you to this, weeping and lamenting and mourning because we realize that how much God loves us, that he sent his son to die for us, and that we still, even though he's done so much for us and loved us so much, we still struggle with sin. But lamenting and mourning and all of these five things, as we're daily walking with Jesus, daily submitting 100% to God and resisting the enemy and drawing near to God and meet God meeting with us and praying and asking God to cleanse us and our sins bringing us to a place of brokenness and weeping. Leads us to the final thing, is the victory. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. And much is spoken in the Bible about God gives grace to the humble. If you look back, James chapter 4, just back one page to verse 6, says he gives more grace. What a powerful promise. God always gives us more grace whenever we need it. Missionary, I was listening to a missionary, and I don't know if it was original, but she was talking about she always thought grace was like, like a little spoon or like this little bottle of water, that grace was like a little bottle of water that we get a little sip. But then she realized that grace was more like the ocean, that there was a never-ending supply of grace always available to us in our time of need. And that's exactly what he says. He gives more grace when you need more grace. But he challenges us, therefore... God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. God's calling us to a place of humility, brokenness because of our sins. And come to God in complete humility, brokenness. It says God will lift you up. But one more thing he says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. I always think of Isaiah chapter 6. When Isaiah saw God, the, he had a vision of God's throne. And God saw God on the throne, and he saw the angels, and he saw the, heard the power and rumbling and all the things he saw. And what did he say? He saw God's holiness, and then what did he do? He says, woe is me. He saw his own sinfulness. In the sight of God, which is what it says, humble yourself in the sight of God. The sight of God and God's holiness, we're going to be brought to a place of humility at seeing our sinfulness, and that's when God will lift us up. Amen? Bring it to a close here. Paul told the Galatians in Galatians chapter 5, walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.16 says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Walking in the Spirit means walking in victory. And the truth is that Jesus said, it's promised several times in the Bible, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He didn't promise that you'd be rich. 
He didn't promise that your life would be perfect. Jesus promised to never leave you nor forsake you. So if Jesus is never going to leave you, don't leave him. Don't leave him. Walk with him. His spirit it lives inside of us as believers. His spirit wants to empower us. And think about that. God lives in you. In Genesis, Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. In, in Exodus, Moses and the children of Israel were led by God and by the, by the cloud and the fire. But today, we live in a more blessed time. God's spirit lives, wants to live in you. And God's spirit wants to empower you and give you everything you need to serve him and walk with him. It says we have everything for life and godliness. I was thinking about this. Can anyone defeat God? Can anyone defeat God? Of course not. No one can defeat God. And those daily walking with God and walking in the spirit can also not be defeated. Even if our body dies, if God allows this body to die, is that, is that defeat? No, that's actually truly our victory. When we, this body dies, we're going to see Jesus face to face. The problem is we need to stop holding on to this life. This is not our home. We're only sojourners. We're, we're passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven. Two last two verses, and I think I'm out of time. 2 Corinthians 5.1 Two promises I want to remind you of. Second Corinthians 5, 1 Corinthians 5.1, it says, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. Like I said, if this body dies, we're, that's where we really get victory because we get our new body, the way where we're going to create it to be in the presence of God forever. And I think about my tent. When I moved out of the tent and moved into the first building... I forgot to zip the, the cover, the door, whatever you call it. And it's rain, like two days later, the storm came. And I, because the op- door was open, the storm just shredded my tent. And it was a good picture for me to say, that's, look at my tent. It's just going to be destroyed one day. And the older you I'm getting, the more I'm realizing this tent is falling apart. <laughs> Amen? Amen? But guess what? When this body, when, when God calls us home, we have a body. It's, what does it say? A, a, a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is there preparing a house for you. For those who love him and trust him as their Lord and Savior, believers, followers of Christ, he has, we have a home in heaven. And again, for Christians, this world is not our home. Philippians 3.20, for our citizenship is in heaven for, we, for which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are citizens of heaven as followers of Jesus Christ. One day we'll be home. And you know, I want to leave you with this challenge because we cut down an idol that day when we cut that tree down. It was an idol. God cut it down. God protected us. God did it. God led me there. God told me. God provided everything to do it. But I just want to... I just want to leave you with this thought and challenge that you would, the Bible says examine yourselves daily. Maybe we have, maybe you have an idol in your life, a tree in your heart that's getting in the way of Jesus having his rightful place in your heart. He's the Lord of lords and King of kings, no matter what we allow him to be. But we are created to, to serve the living God. And his rightful place is to be on the throne of your heart. And idols and all kinds of stuff in this world will block it. You need to cut down all the trees, cut down all the stuff that blocks Jesus from having his way in our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for this, the promises that we have for your word and the hope that we have that even if this body dies, we have a home eternal in the heavens. And Lord, one day you're coming back. We look forward to that day. Until that day, Lord, help us to... Surrender it all to cut down any idols and to allow you to be Lord of Lord in our hearts. That you would have the right place you deserve in our hearts on the throne. And help us to be your witnesses in Jesus' name. I know we have a video we're going to close with. It's called The Power of Ten. You know, $10 in Uganda goes a very, very long way. Actually, $10 is enough money to feed one of our 500 kids for a whole month. So we're going to watch this video, The Power of Ten.
Hi, I'm Pastor Tim White with Calvary Chapel, Richmond, Virginia, and I'm here with my good friend Bill James with Agents for Christ and Uganda Kids Project. And we just want to talk for a few minutes about something that uh, he and I had a phone conversation uh, several months ago, kind of coming out of the pandemic and less people giving to missions, less people even thinking about what God was doing in other parts of the world, just kind of focused on America or focused on themselves. A lot of people are willing to kind of pay for streaming devices like Netflix or Amazon Prime or Disney Plus, and they're not big dollar amounts. And it got me thinking, I believe the Lord put on my heart something we were talking about together, and just what would it look like? Uh, a lot of people can't afford to sponsor a child in Uganda or uh, give $100 a month. And I think a child is like $40 a month yes. in that range. And uh, But what would it look like if you're a college student or you're someone who's already giving to multiple missionaries and you just are kind of tapped out or you're on a fixed income and you're a senior, what would it look like? Could the same individual stream $10 a month to Uganda in the same way they're doing some kind of streaming service, but what would it look like to stream $10 to children and a ministry that is reaching people with the gospel and really instead of a streaming service more of streams of living water I know Amen. what $10 looks like in our country it's it's two cappuccinos at Starbucks <laughs> what does $10 look like to the ministry there in Uganda well, it's much different in Uganda so $10 is three thirty six thousand shillings 10,000 shillings is one man's wage for a full day from 7 a.m. till 7 at night is 10,000 shillings. So $10 goes a lot farther. And it's even a bag of posho. One of the main staple foods in Uganda is 10 kilograms of posho is 35,000 shillings. So $10 buys enough food for one family for a whole week. We're not a big church. I mean, we've got a couple hundred people that call this their home. There's churches that are much larger. But uh, we talked about what it would look like if, if this church uh, had 20 people give $10 a month or 40 people give $10 a month or 60 people give $10 a month. We knew that, that one person, it's $10, 60 people, it's $600, and it starts to have a really big impact on a ministry like uh, Uganda Kids Project and Agents for Christ. And so uh, we really are hopeful that this church can, uh, can show that this can be really yeah, really fruitful, but also that other churches that would get involved, whether small, medium, or large churches, could have a huge impact in what would be the aggregate down the road of, I mean, we started here, this small $10, what does it look like over the long haul? And you get 50 people giving $10, $500 is uh, enough food to feed our kids. We have 500 kids at the school, that's enough to feed all 500 kids portion of their whole week. Seek your heart and uh, you know, seek through prayer and say, Lord, can I do $10 a month? And for a lot of people that, you know, we've talked about this as well, that may be their first step of faith uh, in giving to missions. And uh, I really believe that God will honor across uh, a, a large subset of people giving $10 a month. There's a, there's a picture uh, with Bill and Danielle, his wife, and their seven adopted uh, children there in Uganda. And I was looking at the picture, I was like, oh, I wish there was 10 people in the picture. But uh, then I got to thinking, there's nine in the picture, and we, the body of Christ here in the United States, we can be that power of 10, that 10th invisible individual in the picture that's helping with a small amount, but it becomes quite a bit when multiple people get involved. And we believe God can do more than we could imagine with $10 to change a life all over the world. So there you have it. Uh, we, um, we had this discussion what, probably two and a half months ago, and uh, I was just asking, Bill, when I, whenever I'm talking to missionaries around the world, and uh, I've talked to probably eight to ten in the last, uh, since January, had, you know, I try and stay in touch with them, uh, find out what's going on, how are they doing, how can we be praying for you, what's working, what's not working, 
And I'll ask, how are the finances? Because they, they won't bring it up. I'll bring it up. Uh, how, how are things financially? And he said, well, the pandemic's taken quite a hit. <laughs> you know, a lot of people are like, we can't afford to sponsor a child anymore. And so-and-so lost their job. And there's inflation. And have you heard about the gas price in America? And all, the, you know, all these things. And, and so um, uh, my, my prior career was in the software world. And I... I I was telling the first service, I knew in the late 90s that everything was going to go to streaming services. It was already moving that direction, but if people don't think much about $7.99 a month or $11.99 a month or $15.99 a month, then so I said, you know, what if we, what if we applied the law of big numbers, uh, so lots of small numbers become a larger number, what if we applied it to something where you know, people can't afford $100 a month or they already are sponsoring three kids or four kids with Compassion and LNFI and, and maybe even one with them. And uh, so we talked about this power of 10 and as it turns out, uh, I've totally forgotten he has a 10th hour project. This is their 10th year in Uganda. This year is their 10th year in Uganda and they have 10th hour project. So we have the third component here. And our church is the guinea pig. He's going to be using this video all over the United States. Uh, so little old Calvary Chapel on Genito Road is the guinea pig. And the first service, we had a bunch of people sign up for $10 a month, didn't we, Bill? We had a, quite a few. So we're hoping that in this second service, and we're going to kind of keep talking about it for the next few weeks, and we're going to kind of track how this church does. So a church our size, what does it look like um, at the $10 a month? Now, you obviously still can sponsor a child. That, that opportunity is out there. I think you brought six uh, sponsorship opportunities uh, on this particular trip. And if somebody says, uh, I can do the Power 10, but I want to give 15 a month, you can do that too. Uh, Bill will gladly accept the additional uh, 1.5 on, uh, on that commitment. So, uh, But we're really just trusting the Lord to use it. And the first service, we did great. When this service is over, Bill will be out at the table. I know we've got to have some folks get the, the table set up for uh, the Young at Heart, and we'll be doing that. But while some people are doing that, others of you can be visiting with Bill, and um, he's got a little thing you can fill out. If you want to do Power 10, use right Power 10. Write CCR on it, because we actually want to see how this particular church does. So we can report back to you later this year and say, when he came, our Power 10 was $0 a month. But after 66 people gave, it's 660 a month, you know, that kind of thing, at, at just $10. So, um, so and, I, and I haven't, and I told him, I envisioned to do it uh, for us to be able to participate with just three countries, because we can't boil the whole ocean. Uh, but for us, first we're going to, pilot it with Uganda. I would also like to do it with Guatemala and lastly India. Those are the three kind of the, just kind of the three areas that all three of those ministries support big ministries with lots of children. And that's what makes them a little different.